Welcome to Daily Interlake News Now. I'm your host, Taylor Edman. We're taking a look at some of this week's biggest headlines and what's coming up for the Flathead Valley. September is Bear Aware Month in Montana, and for our deep dive this week, I spoke with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Region 1 Communications and Program Manager Dylan Tabish. He gives us a rundown on safety tips, including a bear spray demonstration. But first, here's some headlines. In anticipation of open burning resuming on October 1st, people who plan on burning are reminded that they need to obtain a permit. Flathead City County Environmental Health Manager Jim Wardinsky said in a press release that they understand this differs from how things have functioned in the past, when a burn permit was only required in May and June. However, having the ability to monitor the amount and locations of open burning will allow the county to offer open burning into the winter months of December, January, and February when opportunities arise. To obtain a burn permit for Flathead County, visit egovmt.com and complete the process. A burn permit number is needed for each time a permit is activated, so Wardinsky recommended that people document it in multiple ways to avoid losing it. People with an existing permit from 2023 may activate the permit online by calling 1-866-207-2577. Wardinsky says if you lose your burn permit, do not create a duplicate because it causes an increase in the cost of offering the service. Contact Flathead City County Environmental Health or the Montana Department of Natural Resources and Conservation for help in recovering an existing burn permit. A 29-year-old is behind bars after an apparent road rage incident in Columbia Falls over the weekend that almost allegedly ended in gunfire. Charles Delaney Warren faces one count of felony criminal endangerment and a misdemeanor charge of driving under the influence, third offense in Flathead County District Court, following his September 16th arrest near Railroad Street. He is expected to appear before Judge Dan Wilson on October 5th for his arraignment. Columbia Falls police officers arrived on the scene at about 9.33 p.m. to find a gray sport utility vehicle stuck on the curb of Railroad Street and a tan pickup truck parked directly in front of it, according to court documents. One of the victims, the passenger of the gray SUV, told officers that he and the driver were heading down Railroad Street when the driver of the tan pickup, identified in court documents as Warren, began tailgating them. Warren passed them, coming close enough that the victim thought the two vehicles would collide, according to court documents. Court documents said after swerving around ahead of them for a while, Warren pulled into a turnout to let the SUV pass. He then allegedly resumed tailing them. Victims told authorities that Warren passed a second time, again coming nearly close enough to strike the SUV. According to court documents, this time the driver of the gray SUV made a U-turn and attempted to shake Warren off their tail. The passenger allegedly told authorities that they saw him fire one round from a shotgun during the chase. Warren allegedly stayed on the SUV's tail, eventually cutting them off on Railroad Street. The SUV's driver attempted to reverse but became stuck on the curb, according to court documents. After stopping the pickup truck a few feet from the stranded SUV, Warren allegedly got out armed with a black 10mm pistol. Approaching the other vehicle, Warren racked the slide, resulting in a jam, according to court documents. He was racking it a second and third time when officers arrived. Investigators believe that officers saw Warren toss a handgun into his pickup as they arrived. Speaking with him afterward, officers noted the odor of alcohol on Warren, who also had bloodshot eyes and slurred speech, according to court documents. A subsequent breath sample returned with a breath alcohol concentration of .156. Officers found two previous driving under the influence or driving under the influence per se convictions dating to 2017 on Warren's record. 
if convicted of criminal endangerment, Warren faces up to 10 years in Montana State Prison and a fine of $50,000. The ninth annual Great Fish Community Challenge ended September 15th with more than $5.2 million donated to 77 Flathead Valley nonprofits in five weeks. This preliminary total excludes the Great Fish Match Fund, which will be announced October 24th at the Great Fish Awards Ceremony. This year's challenge raised approximately $1 million more than last year's, a 24% increase. More than $1.7 million was donated during the final week, and the Whitefish Community Foundation is still processing gifts that were initiated prior to September 15th. The foundation will award a percentage matching grant on the first $20,000 raised by each participating organization. The percentage match and the final total amount raised will be announced at the Great Fish Award Ceremony on October 15th at the Wachholch College Center in Kalispell. The percentage matching grant is made possible by the Foundation's Circle of Giving and other donors who directly gave to the Great Fish Match Fund during the challenge. Whitefish Community Foundation organizes and manages the fundraiser free of charge for participating nonprofits, thanks in part to title sponsor BNSF and supporting sponsors Big Sky IV Care, First Interstate Bank, Glacier Bank, Harris Financial, Iron Horse Foundation, JCCS, Parkside Credit Union, Stockman Bank, Summit Beverage, Underscore Art and Jewelry, and Whitefish Credit Union. For more information about the Whitefish Community Foundation, visit whitefishcommunityfoundation.org or call 406-863-1781. Fall and late summer is when we tend to see the most bear conflicts in Montana. Bears are trying to stock up on as much food as possible before they hibernate and are more likely to be in lower elevations looking for food sources. I met with Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks Dylan Tabish at Lone Pine State Park in Kalispell to learn a bit more about how to mitigate and prevent a bear conflict. All right, I'm here with Dylan Tabish with FWP. Um, he's going to tell us a little bit about bear safety in the fall. So, Dylan, um, what are some things to keep in mind about bears during the fall? Yeah, bears are very active in the fall time because they're getting ready to go into the den for winter time. Uh, so they're just trying to load up on as many calories as they can. They'll eat upwards of 30,000 calories a day right now if they, if they can get it. Mm -hmm. So that's why they will go after any food attractant, whether it's chickens, garbage, fruit on your property. Anything with a food attractant scent is going to have a bear probably looking for it. So uh, this time of year, we really like to tell folks to just be bear aware and, and make sure that they're not providing those um, unnatural food sources to our bears because once bears get food rewards they just keep coming back for more and so that's when it becomes a public safety issue and, and bad for the bear also so by properly storing your food attractants in a garage or a good shed or chickens behind an electric fence or garbage in a bear resistant garbage container that really keeps bears from getting that food reward so they're going to hopefully just move on so it keeps bears wild and it keeps people safe to be properly storing your food attractants right now. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously garbage is an attractant, but what are some like not super obvious attractants that people might not realize? Yeah. Well, you know, folks don't realize that our grizzly bears up here in Northwest Montana, about 80% of their diet is actually shrubs and berries. And so they have a really vegetative diet right now. And so that's why, you know, this year we had a really good berry crop, and so we had bears staying up in the mountains, which was great. But now that they're trying to really load up on protein and as much uh, food as they can, they're coming down to these lower elevations, they'll get into dog food. We've had people leave beer cases out on their back porch, and bears will get into that. We've had bears break into outdoor chest freezers. Um, they're looking for anything. Um, so really, if you can smell it, a bear can definitely smell it. So. 
trying to keep those food attractants that are outside, inside or behind something that's going to keep the bear out of it is really a win-win. Yeah, I guess I haven't really, have we seen a lot of bear conflicts? It's definitely picked up. Yeah, uh, our bear specialists right now are running around the valley, putting bear traps out, trying to capture bears. Uh, if they're starting to come in and create conflicts so we can capture bears before they get food conditioned and move them back out in the wild. Uh, unfortunately, if bears get too food conditioned, then we might have to euthanize them, and that's what we're trying to prevent. We don't want to have to put bears down, but unfortunately, once bears become food conditioned, they get all those food rewards, they're not going to stay in the wild. They're going to learn to associate food with people, and that's an unsafe situation. So our bear specialists right now are running all over the place, Whitefish, Columbia Falls, Big Fork, everywhere in western Montana right now, which is bear country, there's bears pretty active. What do you do if you have a bear encounter when you're out on the trail? Yeah, so what you do in a bear encounter really depends on the situation. If that bear is just kind of curious and looking at you, you want to make sure if you're in a group to group up, get everybody together, make a little bit of noise, not in a threatening manner, but just to let that bear know that you're there. Um, and then you're going to want to assess the situation and just try to remove yourself from that situation. So slowly backing up. Um, just not giving that bear any reason to feel like you're a threat, but also you don't want to just start running it, running away as fast as you can, because that can sometimes trigger that predator-prey mentality that wildlife have, where they might think, oh, that's a food source potentially, and chase. So that's why we tell folks you never run from a mountain lion or a bear, because it just can kind of trigger that uh, instinct that they have for chase and prey. Um, so you, you have a bear encounter like that, that's what you do. If you have a bear encounter where that bear is maybe uh, displaying a little more aggression towards you, then that's when you want to have your bear spray. If, this, if the bear starts approaching you, starts making noises at you, kind of huffing at you, you want to make sure you have your bear spray. You want to again group up with everybody, get your bear spray out, make sure you, you have it ready to go. And if it starts approaching you, you want to spray your bear spray. And this is really, now that we've gotten a few decades of research with this being in the field, it's really an effective deterrent. We've got lots of examples where this has worked. Nothing's guaranteed to guarantee that you're going to be completely uh, in, out of harm's way, but this is a very effective tool uh, for deterring a bear conflict. So I guess some kind of just step by step with bear spray. First, traveling with bear spray, you want to make sure that it's in a a good safe place when you're driving somewhere. I've actually heard a lot of stories, more than you would think, of people having bear spray in their car and then it falls in the footwell and kick gets kicked and punctured and it empties in the car and then you have to jump out of the car and get the car detailed. So keeping this in a safe location when you're driving is really important. Um, keeping it in a place that's easy to access on your hip or on your chest because if you need it, you're gonna need it pretty quickly. So. Um, you see a bear approaching you, uh, charging at you, 30 feet is when you want to get that bear spray out and start spraying it. Hand on the bottom, you want to make sure to put the your finger through there. This is the safety mm -hmm. that keeps you from pushing that button down. You want to make sure you're not ever putting your finger or anything in front of the canister there, right there. That's where it mm -hmm. sprays out of, kind of the nozzle. And you take your bear spray out and you're going to aim low because it's going to rise up and imagine a bear's going to be running at you. It's going to be pretty low to the ground. So you want to you want to aim low and I kind of say do a backwards Z. And you can see you kind of want to do some short bursts or if you need to in the bears right there, you can just empty your canister right there. Mm -hmm. So uh, it just does those short bursts, putting that back on there, uh, putting it back. 
A lot of folks ask what to do with expired bear spray because it's really important to make sure your bear spray isn't expired. Mm-hmm. It, the expiration essentially is letting you know uh, that that propellant is what's going to weaken over time that uh, that sprays it out. Over time just slowly can leak out and it just won't spray as far. So that's really what the expiration's indicating is that you've, you've probably lost your propellant. If it is expired, you just got to go to a very safe location away from people, make sure the wind's not blowing, and you just empty your bear spray out and then you put it in a Ziploc bag and you can throw it in the garbage. Mm-hmm. You just definitely don't want to throw a full bear spray, even if it's expired, in the garbage because we don't want our landfill, unfortunately, to p- puncture one and that could be a bad deal for them and everybody yeah. at the landfill. Definitely. So, can I try it? Absolutely. All right. Oh, and we should mention this is, what did you call it? It's a not nerd. real bear spray. It's this a nerd is a bear nerd spray. bear spray, yep. Doesn't have the spicy stuff in it. Nope. Okay, so you have to hold it? Yep. And put... There you go. Yeah, it does kind of have like a kickback. It does. That's why I say two hands, because yeah. it can kind of, and it's going to naturally want to go up. Yeah. And so. That's spray it towards the ground. Yep. And you can kind of see it creates that, that mist and that wall. Now, if it's windy and it's blowing towards you, you're going to get some on you, no doubt. But you're going to want to make sure and try to get that in that bear's face. Bears have a really good, strong nose. And so that sense of smell, once it gets that hot capsaicin that's in the bear spray in their nose, it just burns like crazy. And they hopefully want to get as far away from you as possible. So that's the goal is getting that spray in their eyes and in their nose. And then it's just going to burn them and hurt them. And they're going to associate you as a bad thing, and they're going to get away from it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. This is like never. I can feel it getting lighter. Yep. It is actually going down. Yep. Yep. So I think if you hold it down, it's got about seven seconds approximately. Um, They make bigger, different, depending on the bear spray. um, You know, they make bigger canisters, but the, the standard canister can go for about seven seconds of just holding it down. Wow, you know, I've always, um, you know, heard that, told people that, but seven seconds feels like, now that I have it in my head, feels like a long time of spray. It's a pretty good amount, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty good amount. Hopefully, you're never going to have to use it. I've lived in Montana my whole life, hunted and hiked in bear country and never had to use it. I've had to empty a lot of expired bear sprays, but I'd rather empty expired bear sprays than have to actually use bear spray, but it's good to have it with you if you need it. You're going to want to have it. So... Say you don't have bear spray, worst case scenario, what are some things that you can do to make it out of that situation? If you don't have bear spray, yeah, you are in a pretty bad situation. So you again want to try to remove yourself from that situation. Um, If the bear is charging at you and you can't stand your ground and use bear spray, then you do want to get down and try to cover your head and neck and just protect yourself, defend yourself as best you can. Um, If it's a, a smaller black bear, you can even try to fight back. Um, but you know, that's worst case scenario. Hopefully you're going to have your bear spray with you though. And you're going to have it close by. Unfortunately, we have a lot of folks who, uh, are out, you know, recreating, hiking, camping, they have their bear spray, but it's in the back of their backpack. And that doesn't do you any good because when you need your bear spray, you're going to need it in a moment's notice. So I keep mine on my hip or I keep it on my chest harness. So, um, you really want to make sure you have it, but have it accessible too. You know, I think most of the time, the reasons that we have really bad bear encounter, bear attacks, is primarily for two reasons. One is a bear protecting its young. So a female grizzly bear is gonna protect its young no matter what. It's, it's really can become a dangerous situation. And so that's why you never wanna present a threat to a cub. If you see a cub in the wild, you need to take that as a very uh, important situation and you need to get everybody together and get out of there. 
because uh, a female protecting her cub is an extremely dangerous situation. That's primarily why we have bear attacks, is a, a female grizzly bear has a young cub in an area and you get between that cub and that, be, that mother and cub and that becomes a very dangerous situation. The second reason that we primarily have bear attacks is similar, but then bears protecting a food source. So bear, uh, it's nose down in a carcass, eating carcass, and you come up and you startle that bear, it's gonna act aggressively to defend its food source. So that's why we tell folks to make noise. If you're gonna be out hiking, make noise, picking berries, make noise, and that bear's gonna be alert that you're in the area. You're not gonna startle it or surprise it. Um, hopefully it's gonna move off, move away. Same with a cub, it's gonna, they're gonna move out of the way. But you really wanna be aware of those two situations, coming up on a bear with a cub and coming up on a bear with a food source. So those are the reasons, primarily 95% of the time, that's the reason bears act aggressively towards people. It's very rare, but there can be bears that are just predatory. They have that predator-prey instinct and they will just look at humans as a, as a prey source. That's very rare. Uh, we very rarely have uh, predatory attacks from bears, but it can happen. But it's a small, small minority. Most of the time, it's a bear that thinks you're threatening its cub or threatening its food source. It's Bear Wear Month. Uh, September is the inaugural Bear Wear Month in Montana, which is pretty cool. Uh, Governor Greg Gianforte declared it uh, Montana's Bear Wear Month, and really our goal is just to raise education and awareness about uh, an iconic species, not just grizzly bears, but also black bears. You know, Montana is home to both populations. Uh, grizzly bears are the state animal, um, so just a, a way for Montanans to really get to know more about our state animal and to learn about how they can safely recreate in bear country, live in bear country, work in bear country. We're just trying to promote safety and education and appreciation and conservation. Montana, I think, is really a leader when it comes to the grizzly bear recovery. When you look at the United States' efforts to recover grizzly bears, I mean, we're, I think, really leading the way. We've got more grizzly bears in Montana than anywhere else in the lower 48 states and that's thanks to our recovery efforts. And so um, we should be proud of that. We brought a species back from the brink of extinction and we should be proud of that. And we should now just continue to take steps to keep bears wild and people safe. Let's take a look at what events are coming up this week. Remember, you can find karaoke nights, art classes, live music, and anything community-related by going to dailyinterlake.com events and checking out our events calendar. And for business owners and event organizers out there, it is totally free to sign up and start posting your events for the entire region to see. The Northwest Montana History Museum is having a yard sale tomorrow, September 23rd. After months of tediously combing through their collections, museum staff are trying to free up storage space by selling some things. They followed strict guidelines to determine what items they can part with, so come see what treasures they dug up. The event runs from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Tomorrow is Sensory Play Saturday at the Imaginif Library in Kalispell. Can't take your kiddo to the library during the week? Stop by to sink your hands into a spectacular tub of fun. Mix, measure, pour, or possibly search for tiny treasures. All ages are welcome. And Amazing Place Music presents Liz Longley at the Whitefish Performing Arts Center tomorrow night. Longley is an accomplished singer-songwriter based out of Nashville. With her deeply emotional music, Longley has earned accolades from some of the most prestigious songwriting competitions in the country, including the BMI John Lennon Songwriting Scholarship Competition. The show starts at 7.30 p.m.
Thanks for joining us. News Now is a podcast from the Daily Interlake. We're proud to be the largest independent newsroom in Montana and the oldest paper in the Valley. Consider becoming a subscriber to support our work. Call Circulation at 406-755-7018 or go to the Subscribe tab in the top right corner of our website. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube channel to never miss an episode of the pod. Everybody stay safe and have a great week.